If you want to be turning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I don't want you to stand yet because we'll, we'll read it as I, get on into the, um, as I get on to the message. But I'll be coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 14 is where I'll be coming from today. Relationships. Mm, what else do I have to say? Relationships. They, they require work, don't they? They, they, they require uh, a lot of effort to put into them. And I, when I said that, a lot of y'all husbands, I heard y'all went, mm-hmm. I ain't just talking about marriage this morning, relationships. I'm talking about even as, uh, um, as brothers and sisters. I remember me and there were times that me and my, my sister back there, there were times that me and her got along like two peas in a pod. I'm talking about we loved each other. And there were times that we literally beat each other on the head with baseball bats. And, and I don't know if y'all have ever seen them old uh, meat cleavers or whatever. It's got them little wooden, got the points on it. She, she got me a few times with that, that thing. She, we weren't too in love during that point. But I remember, I remember the relationships. They, they, they were tough. And you know, as, as you spend more time with somebody all of a sudden you begin to see things that get on your nerves. I, I remember whenever, I was fixed to say when me and Chastity got married, uh, let me use somebody else here. God, I know you want me to follow your spirit, but uh, I re- <laughs> no, that ain't happening. What, you know, I remember when me and her first got together. I'm talking about Nick. We was in love. Oh, we was in so much love. And we still in love today. Don't get, look at this. Y'all see this right here? This is what I'm talking about. Oh, we sit together and had our arms around each other. We even held hands in public. We'd held hands in public. We'd kiss each other in front of the cashier at Walmart. Just, I mean, we was so in love. And I can remember the, the relationship, and man, it, it got so, so good, and it just seemed to get better with age, Ronnie. And then all of a sudden, she started having some flaws. I don't know where those things come from, Nick. I didn't have any. All I knew was I looked up one day, and this woman I loved so much, she had some flaws. And all of a sudden, little things began to kind of get on my nerves. And, and, and all of a sudden, I began to notice that she didn't respond to me like she always did. So she started thinking I had some flaws. But I knew I didn't have any flaws, Ricky. It was all on her. But I, I can remember, you know, as relationships with brothers and sisters, with husband and wife or girlfriend and boyfriend, I can remember the more time you spend together, the more our flaws begin to stand out. And the more we begin to realize just how flawed we are. We begin to realize after we spend time with each other that even the bestest of buds will get on each other's nerves after a little while. And there requires work and long-suffering and patience and, and, and forbearance and all of these things are required if these relationships are going to work. And I started thinking about what to preach this morning and I thought, you know, there were times that when me and my wife weren't, or me and my sister weren't acting the way that we are to act, there were times my daddy had to pull the belt out and show us how to act. There were times that, that my daddy had to set us down and teach us exactly what all, both of our flaws were. And, and I started thinking, you know, I want to start off this year, I know we started off last year with some funny, but I want to start off this year with, um, with relationships. 
I could preach for the rest of this year, literally, on what I'm going to preach to you this morning. I could preach every Sunday morning for the rest of this year on what I'm going to try to get across to you in one sermon this morning. <laughs> I pray I had more time to study, but, uh, but you know this, I know this is what God wants you to hear. But I'm going to start off with just a little quick video, about one minute long, all right? So just don't let me lose your attention. Just pay attention to this video for one minute. You're going to have to back it up and turn your sound up. I didn't even need no sound for that, did I? Now, for those of you who don't know, these are brother and sister. This is Linus and Lucy. I don't know if y'all know that or not. You know what's the matter with you? You talk too much. Do you really think so? No one wants to turn my jump rope for me. They all say I'm too crabby. They say I complain too much. They say I complain when they turn it too fast. And they say I complain when they turn it too slow. No one understands us crabby people. Linus, do you think I'm a very crabby person? Stand right there. Don't move. Yes, I think you're a very crabby person. Charlie Brown. I want to ask you something. Do you think I'm a crabby person? Yes, I think you're a very crabby person. Well, who cares what you think? Switch channels. I said switch channels. I want to watch my program. Are you kidding? What makes you think you can just walk right in here and take over? These five fingers, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> now, while I don't agree with Lucy's me methods here, you can't argue with her concept. I don't agree with the way she was fixing to go about it, but if you think about what she was saying, she describes the church in a way that, that can't be better explained. Individually, they can't do anything. But when I curl them together and be make them become a single unit, they become a terror to behold. They become a weapon that is just unfathomable. Apart, they're just simple little old fingers. As a matter of fact, they get crossed up and get in their way sometimes. But when I curl them into a single unit and I get them balled together and curled together in a fist and they all operate the way that my mind tells them to operate, they form into a weapon that is unfathomable for us to think about. You can't argue with the fact that we are all different. You can't argue with that. Me and Nick, we have a lot of the same qualities, but we are not the same. Me and, and Pinky, we, we have a lot of the same things we like to do. Me and Chris, we, we enjoy riding four-wheelers, but we are not the same. There are so many differences between us, and sometimes those differences begin to make us just not want to be around each other. We try to get as far away from each other as we can instead of recognizing what those differences are there for. It's not meant for my pinky finger and my thumb to be the same. 
It's not meant for my ring finger and my pointer finger to be the same. They are designed the way they are for a purpose and a reason. And when put together to use for all of their reasons, they perform a job that no other part of my body can perform. You get that? But I started thinking about the, I love the Peanuts cartoons. I, some, I, sometimes when I'm studying, I just start going back and looking through Peanuts cartoons on YouTube just to see if I can find something that kind of matches up with a sermon. And I started coming across these, and these were actually clips from different cartoons that I put together. And I concentrated on Lucy, Linus, and Charlie Brown. Now, if you think about the Peanuts cartoon, they've been going on since, I think, if I, if I read correctly last night, the 50s, I believe it was. The, the, this gang has been playing together for over 50 years they've been together, and for over 50 years they've fought and they've loved on each other, and they have done Christmas plays together and had Thanksgiving dinners together, and they have done so much things as a, as a family unit together, the Peanuts gang. And they've made, made us laugh for many, many years. How many other TV shows do you know that's still going since the 50s? You know, there's a purpose and a reason for it. And I believe that when we look at this, at this TV show, I believe what we see and the reason why we enjoy it so much is because if we'll be honest, there's a little bit of us in each and every one of those characters on that show. For instance, you have your Charlie Browns. Now, Charlie Brown, he's a very lovable guy. And everybody pities him because Charlie Brown is all insecurity. He don't believe he can do anything right. He, he wants to do so bad, but for some reason, every time he turns around, he's just messing things up. Everywhere he goes, somebody's got something negative to say about him. And he don't even recognize that he's got old Linus back here behind him. And Linus is, is his loyal friend. Everywhere Linus goes, if you will watch this TV show or you'll watch some of the uh, clips of it, you'll notice that Linus is Charlie Brown's best friend. He really don't even think he has any friends. He's kind of like Eeyore on, on Pooh Bear or, or what is Winnie the Pooh, I think it's called. Eeyore, oh, bother. That's what I think about when I think of Charlie Brown. He just don't really think he's good for anything. Sometimes the church would even be better off. I mean, I have really nothing to offer. There's nothing I can do. I don't really have a place. There's no purpose for me. Why should I even be here? And there are those. If you'll be honest with me, there are a big majority of those. Now, you may not be to the full extent of the old bother, but somewhere inside you have feelings you know, I really don't have a purpose. I really don't even know my place. And then, you know, you've got your Linus's. Linus is Charlie's best loyal friend, but he just won't grow up. He just keeps acting like a kid. He's that guy in the church that you've been working with for years, Nick. We've been up here preaching to this feller. I mean, we just try and we preach and we preach and we preach. And five years later, he ain't no different than he was when we started five years ago. He's loyal. Oh, he's going to be here. He's going to be at anything you can do. But he just, he just can't get rid of his security blanket and get his thumb out of his mouth. He just can't grow up. And then we get Lucy. Now we got quite a few Lucys, and I'll just be honest with you because... I stand up here and I try to point out my flaws. 
Notice last Sunday I stood up and talked about my blood pressure, my habits. I don't try to stand up here and just so you, 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 you. Although after the service is over with, most people come up here to talk to me about my problems. I guess they thought that, that I was the only one in the church that had any problems. But, you know, you, 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 I, I want to tell you, my problem is this. I got a lot of Lucy in me. I do. Now, it's not that I'm just a crabby person. Yeah, I can be. Ask my wife. Listen, if I get up before 1030 in the morning, don't talk to me. You ever seen that commercial where he's going to McDonald's and everybody he crosses in the street, they try to talk to him, he says, I, 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 I might have my coffee. And then he goes up to the next one. He even gets in line at McDonald's. He says, not before I have my coffee. And then he gets his coffee and he takes a drink of his coffee and then he's ready to talk. Well, I'm kind of that way in the mornings. In the mornings, just don't talk to me. Just don't talk to me. And my wife knows that. And you know how I know she knows that? Because she won't quit talking to me. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's how I know. She wakes up talking. <laughs> Where was I going? What am I talking about? I'm crabby. Anyway, I can be crabby from time to time. I can be the boss. Notice that Lucy, she wants to walk in the room, change the channel. She's coming in the room and she's going to tell you what to do. She's going to tell you how to do it. Whenever, if, if any of you remember the Christmas play they put on, it couldn't nobody do anything good enough to suit Lucy. And sometimes I can be that way. I'm telling you, so I have to catch myself. Sometimes I can see so much of Lucy in me and I have to back myself off because if I'm not careful, I just step up and just say, well, I'm just going to do it all. And boy, that's the most ignorant thing I could ever think or do. But we do that. And there are some Lucy's in here. Is there not? If it's going to get done right, who's got to do it? There's some Lucy's in here. I got a little bit of Lucy in me. Oh, but I got a little bit of Linus in me too. I'll be your loyal friend. I got a little bit of Charlie Brown in me. There are things that I really just am not secure about that if I had to step up and do it, I just don't feel right about it. I can't do it. There's a little bit of each one of us and there's some kind of flaws in each and every one of us and there are as many good qualities in us as there are bad qualities. But for some reason, why is it that our bad qualities are the ones that seem to stand out? I do this good and I do that good but you let one bad thing come out and what does everybody see? They see the bad. We all have good qualities. We all have bad qualities but here's the thing we have to understand. We all are different. Some of us have more Lucy. Some of us have more Charlie. Some of us have more Linus. Some of us, we don't know who we are. Some of us, we still trying to figure out where we're supposed to be, what we do, and who are we, what kind of qualities do we have. We all have differences. But here's what I got at. Many times, instead of working through these differences, we're like Lucy. We'll come up and we'll just jack you up one good time. Many times we're, we're, like, uh, we're like old uh, Linus. Instead of working this thing out, we're going to run away from you as far as we can get. And the best thing for us to do is just avoid the problem altogether because then I don't have to worry about getting hurt, right? There are so many times that instead of working through our differences, instead of being like Daddy used to do, me and my sister, sit our butts down on that couch and say, you don't get up till you hug each other. 
we'll sit there for ages. <laughs> but then there comes a time we finally realize we ain't getting up till we hug each other. We'll hug each other and we'll go on. Our differences many times instead of dealing with them with long suffering, with gentleness, with kindness, we do it with baseball bats and meat cleavers. And that ain't God's way. He's trying to teach us a different way. He made us all different for a purpose and a reason. If we're not careful, we let these differences and these flaws begin to separate us. And if you'll be honest with us, that's what happens. We let somebody offend us, and instead of working this thing out, what we do? We run. We'll run. We'll go find somebody else to hang out with. We'll go find somebody else to deal with. Instead of just sitting down and doing everything in our power to work through our differences. We'll let it cause us to despise each other. We'll not be caring. We'll not be considerate of each other. But instead, we'll just avoid it at all costs. Paul dealt with this in the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. If you'll stand for the reading of God's word. I want to look at these verses just one at a time. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. I thank you for standing in reverence of this living and powerful word. If you're there, say amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. Here we go. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were ears and hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them. Listen, this includes each and every one of you. God has set the members, each one of them. And I love this next part, in the body just as what? You know what I see? Do you think God just looks down at me when I sing a song and preach a sermon and go, boy, I sure am pleased with Kevin. Look at the way he sings and preaches. Any more than he looks down at the one who just bows her head in prayer and says, God, let this worship service be all for you. God looks down on his throne and he says, oh, I love it when she prays. It pleases him. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are what? I'm going to get to that here in a minute. i got a pretty good example for that. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no chism or no tear, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. You may be seated. 
Let me pray one more time. I just I want to pray. Father, again, I just say thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your long-suffering. God, I thank you for your gentleness, your kindness, your mercy, your compassion. God, I thank you for the way that you love us. It, it, it is amazing, God. And Father, I thank you for your unending grace. I thank you that you sustain us by that grace that even when we mess up tomorrow, your undeserved forgiveness and your mercies are new every single day. And God, I thank you for that. And Father, right now, I pray for this body of believers that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, God. Father, I pray that from this word that we would learn to walk worthy of you, that we would be fully pleasing to you, and that we would be ever increasing in good works for you, God. And Father, I just pray that you would strengthen us with all might according to your glorious power, with all patience and long-suffering. And Father, I just pray that you would give us that patience and long-suffering and give us that strength that we need to, to work in this body and build relationships and operate as a unit, God. And Father, I just pray that you would be glorified in, in the harmony that you put in this place, God. Father, we love you. And we give it all to you and we pray for your guidance again this morning. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to go with me back to verse uh, 14 one more time. Because here, as I start there, I want you to think about this Corinthian church. This Corinthian church, they had many differences. And if you know any history about the book of Corinthians, you will remember that their differences began to cause the, the members to, to do things. The differences began to let their flaws come out. And listen, every one of us do this. So just because you hear one of these and go, wow, how could somebody do that? You could do it. <laughs> I could do it. We could do it. And he says here that the difference is caused, the, uh, one place he covered that the members actually, they begin to sue one another in the civil courts. The people were openly living in sin and the church said nothing about it. The church was puffed up about it and had not mourned about people openly living in sin. There was no concern for the rest of the church. Their worship services were about everybody wanting the spotlight. Everybody wanted to stand up at the same time, sing the same song at one time, and preach the same sermon at one time. And everybody wanted to speak in tongues all at the same time. And it wasn't anything about edification of the body. It was all about spotlight and show. And Paul stepped on the scene and he was the founder and the pastor of this church. And he stepped on the scene and he says, Man, something's not right. They're supposed to be different. They're supposed to have differences. They're supposed to have flaws. They're going to have things that are not right. But they've got this thing twisted around somehow or another. So he begins in chapter 12 to begin to start tying this thing back together. And he uses the analogy of the body to begin to explain the unity that is expected in the body of Christ. In uh, verse uh, 15, actually, let's start with. He says here, If the foot should say... Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? I want you to think about this for a minute. Because what you have here, I see your first Charlie Browns. Now think about what it just said. If the foot should say, 
I am not of the body. Or if the hand should, if the foot should say, because I'm not this, I'm not of the body. Basically, this is your member that sits out there and goes, you know, I really don't have a purpose. I'm not the preacher. I'm not the singer. I'm not the Sunday school teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm not even good at praying, Nick. I don't, sometimes I don't even know what to say. I'm not good at really anything, anything that I do. Does that mean that it's not part of the body? No. Maybe it just hadn't found its place yet. And then it goes on to the next verse. And in verse 16 he says, And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And Paul answers and he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? I want you to think about it like this. And uh, let me think, uh, uh, Meemaw, Ms. Marzi Thomas, let me ask you a question. You like jigsaw puzzles. You used to put a lot of them together, didn't you? How, uh, um, how, do, do you have any idea how long, what's the longest one that's ever took you? How long have you worked on one? Just any idea, guessing. About a month on a 2,500-piece jigsaw puzzle. Now, in that month, did you, did you ever see two pieces that were exactly the same piece? They, they won't fit. So no, no piece can be exactly the same if this puzzle is going to come together right. Is that right? And did you ever get a hold of a piece sometimes that it was hard to find where it was supposed to go? Did you throw it in the garbage can because you couldn't find its place? If you did, you'd have a hole left in your puzzle. Do y'all get where I'm going with this? I want you to think about this. You may be that jigsaw piece in this puzzle that you ain't shaped like nobody else. You ain't gifted like nobody else. You don't even know where your part is like anybody else. But does that mean that we just throw you out? No, because if we throw you out, you know what happens at the end of this thing? There's a hole left in our puzzle. We will not be complete. There will come a time when just as Meemaw finally found the place where this piece fit and it fit in so perfect that it completed the beautiful picture. And you know what she probably did with it after that? <laughs> she didn't tear it. Well, she might have tore it up, but more than likely she probably put it in a frame. She might have even glued it to the back of a cardboard or something. I know that's what my sister used to do anyway. We used to... We used to glue them and put them up and frame them because the picture was complete. But if she had to throw away the one piece that she could not find the place for, the puzzle would never have been completed. So if you're that Charlie Brown and you say, because I'm not the preacher, I'm not the teacher, I'm not the prayer warrior, I'm not, I don't even know what to do, I say to you, keep looking, keep striving. It may be months down the road. It may be years down the road. But there's coming a day when God says, Okay, now it's time for you to get in your place. And here's where you will complete the picture at that I have for you to be a part of. Does that make sense to y'all? Listen, I'm trying to encourage you this morning because you know what I've noticed? There are a lot of people like that. There are a lot of people that just don't know where they belong. They just don't know what to do. Don't throw yourself in the garbage can. Keep looking. Keep striving. Keep going. Keep trying things. Get into events and, and make yourself a part of things that, that the church is doing until God finally puts you in your perfect place 
and you become everything that you are supposed to be for his glory and for your good. The next part, verse 18 through 19. He says here, But now God has set the members, and this is, I love this, because this I see God putting a puzzle together right here. God has set the members, each single one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Now I want you to notice right here, this is to all of you Charlie Browns who are just insecure about what you do, how you do it. It's time to get secure in yourself. Because let me tell you what insecurity is actually saying. Insecurity is actually saying, God, I don't think you know what you're doing. Why don't you look and see that God has placed the members, each single one. He didn't leave anybody out. Did he leave anyone out? Each single one of them. He has placed them exactly as it pleased him so that when the puzzle is complete, he sits back and he smiles at it. You know, we sung that song, uh, How Great is the Love, and in one part of the song it says, We were created for his pleasure. We were created for his purpose, for his glory. That is why we are here today. And I started thinking about that this morning. I started thinking about the sunshine. Everything that he created, he created because he saw pleasure in it. Somewhere in the Psalms, it's Psalm 70-something, I believe it says, he's on his throne in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. He sits back, and, and, and I heard John Piper say it best one time. He said that he sees God not as some commanding Lord that says, Son, come up! But instead he sees God more like a giddy child who looks and says, Do it again. <laughs> Every morning he looks at the sun he says, Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Because he gets so much pleasure out of it. And I believe that he does the same thing with us. He put this body together exactly how he pleases. And every time you do your part, he sits up on his throne and smiles and goes, do it again. Nick, do it again. Ronnie, do it again. Do it again for my glory, for my purpose, for my pleasure. Just do it again. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleases. Be secure in yourself. Look at verse 19. And if they were all one member, here's why you need to trust God. If they were all one member, where would the body be? If every one of you were like me, and you sang a little bit and you preached a little bit, <laughs> what good are we going to do each other? Everybody, you, you, ever, you ever seen me and Nick in the same room together? <laughs> oh, we good. I'm telling you, and I'm not kidding you, Nick and Kirby, they are God's gift to me to work to work with and minister with, and I love every minute of it. But you put me and Nick in the same room together, and we'll start talking, and we'll get to talking, and as soon, Nick's just waiting, because as soon as I go, he's getting in. He gets in, here he goes, and I have to stop, and I'm holding my breath, and I'm waiting, because just as soon as he gets all that breath out, and he goes, here I go, I'm back in. And we're going at it back and forth. And before you know it, we done sit there and talked about a whole bunch of stuff that ain't neither one of us got a clue what we're talking about, where we're going, how we're doing it, or, or why we're even here. 
it's very hard for us to do each other any good because we're, we're both preachers, we're both teachers, we're both sing. No, we're not both singers. <clears throat> if, oh me. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. But now indeed there are many members. Many. In other words, there's not just preachers, teachers, and song leaders, and prayer people. There are members and parts that we don't have a clue about. There are members and there are people out there in this audience right now, in this fellowship right now, that I don't have a clue what you do every Sunday because you're an unpresentable part. The, the, the things that you do, they're never seen, they're never noticed, but are they less important? Keep reading. Verse 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now think about this for a minute, because here the Lucy's come in. Here's where sometimes we start thinking, you know what? I can do it better than you can do it. So just get out of the way. Let me take care of it. Let me just get it done. Just sit down. You just sit on your pew. You be comfortable. Stay there. Don't worry about it. And us Lucy's better... Wake up, because I'm going to tell you what's coming, a nervous breakdown. That's what's coming. One day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize, Lucy, you just jacked yourself up. Because now you get up there and you do it all, and you sit back and watch everybody else smile at you while you do it. I cannot look at you and say, I have no need of you. I cannot look at you and say, well, I don't even really need you in my ministry, so if you offend me, guess what? You stay over there. I'll stay over here. We'll be just fine as long as we stay away from each other. And ain't that what I do? Ain't that what you do? Ain't that what we do? He says, Paul says, we, we can't do that. <laughs> there is a piece right there that's performing a part that you don't even have a clue what it's doing. As a matter of fact, let me tell you a little bit about this part that you think you have no need of. In verse 22, No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we actually bestow greater honor. And then he goes on. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. Now let me explain this to you in a, in a way that might sound a little bit easier. I, I read an airline ticket story. I thought this was pretty good and fits in perfect with this. Listen. Suppose you were going to fly on vacation. All right. Um, Florida, out west, or you're going to California. I know Wayne and Faye, Wayne and Faye, y'all go out to California from time to time. Suppose Wayne and Faye, they decide they're going to get an airline ticket to go to California. They start looking, and this airline ticket's going to be, oh man, it's just way too much, way more than they want to spend. So, you know, they got this new thing out called the Internet, and you can get on this thing called the Internet, and you can search all kind of airline sites and things, and, and if you book your hotel and your room and everything together, you can get a cheaper price, and you can save so much money. And Wayne and Faye, they get on here, and they look, and they end up finding this airline ticket on this airline for less than half of what they were going to have to pay. 
They get their tickets in and it's time to go to the airport. They get to the airport and they get loaded on the plane. The plane looks very nice. It's clean. It's up class. They sit down. The stewardess put, gives them a pillow for the ride. They recline their seat back for them. They've got all kind of leg room. And they sit back and they buckle their seat belt. And with a deep breath, they think about the money that they saved. But then the pilot, he picks up the intercom and he says... This is your captain speaking. Now really, he's the only one you're concerned about on that plane anyway, right? He's the presentable part, right? He says, this is your captain speaking. He says, the reason that you have been able to fly at this low price that we offer is because we've done away with the people that you never really see anyway. The maintenance man who services the plane to make sure it's running at its best, you know, we really don't need him anymore. And not only that, I used to have a co-pilot that sit beside of me that you really never knew anything about because the only thing that mattered was the captain, right? That co-pilot, his job was to navigate during, and we really only needed him on foggy nights like tonight. But, you know, it's not that often that we have these foggy nights just tonight. He says, and not only that, the reason you save so much money is because that air traffic controller that sits behind that screen and tells me when a plane's coming in at me at the same place I'm going and we're fixing to crash head on, how many planes are really in the sky anyway? What are the odds that we're going to run into each other? So we don't really need him either. And, and, and he started, he, the last thing he said, I thought it was pretty good. We also didn't think that it was necessary to have any of those security people check for any weapons. <laughs> and you're sitting there all comfortable because the only thing you really cared about was the presentable part anyway, correct? How many of you still want to keep your seat on this airline? Wayne Faye, y'all ready to go to California on this flight? No, all of a sudden, those parts that you never saw, they are now the most important things in your life. The best way to explain it in the church is the same way. See, you look up here and you see the pastor who preaches and makes you giggle from time to time. You look up here and you see a, a singer and somebody who, who, who might can bless your heart from time to time. And then you look out there and you just really don't see much out of this one or that one. But what you don't know is there's some preventative maintenance being taken care of out here in all these unpresentable parts that you never see. That if you take them out of the picture, the pilot in the plane's going down. I'm going to tell you, you take Kirby Carpenter and his prayers for me out of the picture, guess what? Your pilot's going down. There have been a few times that if it wasn't been for his prayers and his just knowing when to be there, to just sit down and cry and pray, this pilot was going down. He's not a presentable part. He's not one that's always going to be in front of the scene up here teaching you and from time to time he'll be there. But you take him away and the pilot and the plane are going down. The presentable parts God has bestowed greater honor on them but I love what he says next and it's up here already but God composed the body I ain't even halfway through this thing but God composed the body and I'm fixing to come to a close with this 
but God composed. When, when I think about composed, when, when you talk about something being composed, what do you think about? Huh? Music. Think about a symphony, right? You think about the guy that stands behind his little music stand. He's got a baton in one hand, right? And have you ever been to a symphony? Have you ever noticed that at a symphony, before, while the people are mingling, getting seated, every instrument in there is playing? Are they all playing the same thing? It, they're, they're all playing different notes. They're tuning up. And it sounds like a train wreck going on. But then the composer... The composer steps up to the stand and he taps his baton on the stand and all of a sudden, everything stops. Total silence. And the moment that he lifts his baton, all of a sudden, every single one of those parts, their eyes are on him. He directs each part to know exactly when to come in and do what they do. And he composes this symphony into something that ears cannot explain what is being heard, music, that, you know, whenever I was a teenager, I, I played the trumpet, my dream, I'd go to TPAC in Nashville, and I would sit up on the stand, and I can remember, I'd look, and under TPAC, they used, I don't know if they still have it or not, but they used to have it under it, a place where the orchestra would sit, and I remember I would sit there and watch that orchestra, and as the play was going on on stage, the orchestra was under there making all of their music, and it was just, it made the play. And I could just, it amazed me at the harmony that was taking place between all of those different instruments. And that was my dream. Now, God changed that thing and directed it another way. But my dream was to be a part of that. I wanted to make music for a living. I wanted to be one part of that symphony that made so much harmony. And I love the way that it puts this. God composed the body. In other words, he made it exactly the way he wanted it. He meant for the tuba to sound different than the flute. He meant for the saxophone to sound different than the clarinet. He meant for the drums to perform one part and the jazz guitar to perform another. He meant for all of these things to be exactly the way that they are and he meant for the ones that seem unpresentable to actually have greater honor bestowed on them because this is how harmony begins to take place. When me as a pastor, when I look out and realize that I'm not the top dog, I'm not alpha male, when I stand in my place and realize that I am actually on the lower end of things and he's on the higher end, it puts me in my place. And it causes us to create harmony together. And it does not put me in a mindset to go, I have no need of him. But instead, I bestow greater honor on it. And this is the way that God composed it. So all you Lucy's in here, <laughs> I'm saying to you this morning, when you see your Charlie Brown that you really just think you could do without, you better open your eyes and you better think again. Because there's coming a day when that part finds its place that it's going to complete you. You throw it away today, you will never be complete. And we will operate as a crippled body. I can lose a finger. You know, I really can. I can lose a finger and this hand will begin to perform just like it did without this finger. It will. I can train. But you know what? These other members have to work twice as hard 
to learn how to overcome what this one was doing that we never even knew he was there. The same way with you and me. In closing, I want to say to you this morning, this is your family. This is your brothers. This is your sisters. You are not always going to get along. There will be times you will want to beat each other's heads with baseball bats and meat cleavers. That's a promise. But I say to you, God composed it that way. He meant for it to be that way. And he means to teach you to be long-suffering. He means to teach you to be gentle. He means to teach you to be kind, full of mercy, compassion, and truth. Because listen, if you can't learn it, learn to give it to your brothers and sisters in here, how in the world will you ever shine his light to those who are out there? So I say to you, Charlie Browns, keep looking for your place. Your time is coming. You will find your place if you don't lose heart and faint. You will reap in due season if you keep going, if you keep working, if you keep striving. You know, I, I feel led to say this too. If you start something, finish it. Uh, I'm going to say that one more time, and, and, and God help me say it in love because I want to say it in anger, but I don't need to do that this morning. If you start something, finish it. If God shows you a place that needs to be filled, I know the couch looks so comfortable so many nights. Believe me, it looks comfortable to me too. But there's a body here that needs your part. If you start something, you step up and you get in it and you finish it. You may find along the way that maybe this is not exactly my perfect fit. You ever, Meemaw, you ever took a piece of a, a puzzle and tried to put it in a place where it didn't belong? You tried to make that thing fit a few times, I bet, didn't, didn't you? But you know what? It, sometimes it just won't fit. And when you realize it won't fit, what do you do? Back it out. Put it to the side. Wait till you find that perfect place for it to fit. But if you get in there, at least try to make it fit. And finish what you started. You are needed. You are not unimportant. You are necessary. And God has made you exactly the way that it pleased him.